sending you a warm autumn welcome to the Breaking Script podcast with Lella and Nini. This is where we explore the glimmer-filled world of Hallmark movies and the occasional Asian drama. Our cinematic self-care sessions bring us even more joy this fall because we get to do this together with you. So let's get this therapeutic adventure started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Breaking Script podcast with Lella and Nini. I'm Lella. And I'm Nini. And what a crazy, interesting time to start this podcast. Uh, We obviously couldn't have timed this or planned this, but to do a podcast during the SAG after WGA strikes is like really unfortunate. It's a very important stance that they're taking. I fully support all the SAG. I love um, how Fran Drescher makes things really clear. She's president. So maybe it is a good time to have this podcast because instead of watching the show that we're talking about, you just listen to us talk about it and go back and watch it once the strikes are over. But we're timing this so that it's, you know, we're starting to get closer to the magic of fall and Christmas. What are your thoughts on that? Well, living in Canada, you know, majority of our year is cold, but I'm in that sweet spot. I'm just ready for the cold weather. I'm actually ready for Christmas. My heart will always be Christmas number one holiday. So seeing all the fall stuff makes me really excited, but it doesn't make me Yay. excited for fall. It makes me excited for Christmas. And Canada yes. is like, well, at least Ontario is a Christmas wonderland. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know, nine months out of the year, it's it's cold and miserable. But every <laughs> September, you know, I forget all about my complaining and I'm just ready. I'm ready for the winter. <laughs> I love it. And at the time of recording this podcast, like the PSL just came out a few days ago I know are you a pumpkin spice fan I actually don't know this oh I am I am and is it okay I know I say this about decorations everything but is it just me or does it come out earlier and earlier every year I mean I'm not right like I totally (laughs) am I'm basic like I love a pumpkin spice latte I'll wear a hat like I I'm gonna fully admit to it but uh it's just really early this year no complaints though did you have one already? Uh, I was very close to having <laughs> one, but I, I have to, like, they're so sugary. I feel like they're a treat and I need to, like, mm, good for if you. I start now, like, it's going to be, I'm going to have one every day. So I need to, like, pace it out. Are you a pumpkin Got it. latte fan? Uh, it depends. I have to be in the mood for it. But I was kind of, like, low-key rolling my eyes because it was, like, 106 degrees the day that it came out here in Kansas City. And I was like, it's just not... There's no feels. I have zero feels. I'm not oh, ready today, for you. Today is it's cool not here. I have windows open. Like, oh, if you know, I'm like looking at a tree feels. and it's already turning orange. Like, it's, <gasps> I know, it's kind of crazy how fast the seasons change here. Like, full, you know, we have full four seasons. I mean, so does Kansas City. Yeah. They just last yeah. time. Yeah, no, we're on like our fourth summer or something. I don't know. It's ridiculous. But hopefully we get our relief soon. I know. Well, that brings us to like the this excitement, this fall excitement, this Christmas excitement to our very first review, our very first movie. And yes. we, you know, we've come out of the gate with a with a banger. This one is Three Wise Men and a Baby. My first like 
inaugural episode or inaugural <laughs> movie into our yes. podcast. I'm really excited. I I think it's it's a really great episode that we have for you. And if you decide to watch this, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Yes, for those that are new to Hallmark, I picked this one because it's mainly <laughs> fan service and it like broke all kinds of records. But while I explain to people where you were and how you were watching so okay, that they have context for your reviews. The first time I ever watched this, I was driving to Kansas City through the plains of Illinois and like the very flat, no Wi-Fi, no data. Plane so boring. So boring. And I had was watching this on my phone and I literally could only watch in like five minute increments before... I had no service and then I'd have to wait for it to load. So it was a little spotty and like spoiler alert, we actually, we actually tried to film this or record this episode a month ago. Interesting perspective. I said, I'm going to go watch it again (laughs) where it's not (laughs) every five minutes. Yes. I bet my opinion will change. So I feel like I've come to the table with a lot more thoughts fully based. Okay. Yeah, so that was my first uh that was my first watching. Wait, did your ratings change? A little bit. I rewatched Whoa. this. I yeah. Okay, I, well, you're gonna have to give us your original. I think I wrote them down. Okay. But I think that'll be interesting. Okay, all right. Well, first of all, we're gonna introduce the main characters. Um, this is when we'll tell you who the leads are, who they're played by. But I love this movie because uh, most Hallmark movies are about like some type of romantic relationship, the main characters are the Brenner family. It's the brothers who were raised by a single mother. And I love that the single mother, um, her name is Barbara, was played by Margaret Collin, who was actually in the original Three Men and a Baby, which, Lala, I think you said that threw you off a little bit because you thought it was going to be like the original Three Men and a Baby. Uh, Yeah, like to me, Three Wise Men and a Baby, three, three Men and a Baby, so, it was, but I loved that she was in it. Yes, I did too. She she made the movie. Like without her, it would have been a different movie. So I so appreciated her role. Then there are three brothers. We'll go in birth order. The oldest is Luke, played by Andrew Walker. The next one is Stefan, played by Paul Campbell. And Taylor, who is played by Tyler Hines. And I just love the juxtapositions of like, Luke is your typical firstborn He's a firefighter, a go-getter, people pleaser, is like doing everything for everyone. Stefan is played by Paul Campbell, who is like, he's also a writer on this show, by the way, guys. Paul Campbell and Kimberly Sestad are like a dynamic duo writer. If you find them writing something or in something, you know, recent, in more recent years, like the last two um there's gonna be a lot more humor so i love that stefan did you guys know this is a real thing he is a dog therapist they're actually called behaviorists i didn't know that was a thing and so i was looking for one for my dog (laughs) and then taylor is you know the baby in the family who's like he's he's you know the rebel like stefan is the introvert like hiding from life and taylor is like the guy who I think one of the quotes in the movie is like, you find a way to explode everything or something like that. So, and they find this baby, which you're going to hear in the summary. This baby comes to him. The baby's name is Thomas. 
um, and the single mom who dropped off the baby. Her name is Sophie. And this movie wouldn't be a movie without the hilarious comedic character of the neighbor who was a bully in school, Mark. Now as an adult, still bullying his the neighbor boys. So mm-hmm. I'm going to pass it over to Lala to do the plot summary. In this heartwarming holiday tale, we meet the three Brenner brothers, and we follow the brothers as they navigate the challenges of love, family, and Christmas spirit. The movie starts out with Luke Brenner. He is saying affirmations in the mirror, and he is shirtless. I'm guessing some people must absolutely love. The moment ends as his mom calls him from downstairs, which that's actually yes, actually quite a funny thing to happen. And we're introduced to Luke. He is a firefighter. Now we cut to the next Brenner brother, Taylor. Think Ian Grimm from Mythic Quest. I'm pretty sure that's who this character is based around at his office work party. He is somewhat of an ornery video game designer who really isn't into Christmas. While at his office party, he gets really upset when his company uses a snowman on the advertisement of their new game, which then leads him to speaking out and ultimately getting fired. Clearly, he is disliked by all of his office mates because he tries to stage a walkout, but no one ends up following him. Next, we are introduced to the third brother, Stefan, who is a pet therapist. It's a funny occupation, but in general, uh, it's extra interesting because Stefan has difficulties connecting with human beings and suffers from, it seems like, a lot of social anxiety Hence, animal therapist and not human therapist. At this point, we meet him in a session with a woman named Susie, whose dog is being seen by Stefan. Now, it's clear early on that Susie is really there because she is into Stefan, but probably because of his social anxiety and, you know, lack of ability to connect with humans, he has no idea that Susie is into him. Next, we are introduced to iconic actress Margaret Collins, who plays the boy's single mother. So she's this wonderful mother who is interested in her boy's lives, but she doesn't want to be too pushy. She wants to have a Christmas like they did when they were little. She's the ideal Hallmark mom. So the crux of the story begins when a baby is dropped off at the fire station. Luke is actually in the middle of doing yoga pose and he hears a baby cooing um, and sees a note addressed to him on this baby carrier. So he ends up bringing the baby home. Mom, Barbara, decides she's going to help take care of this baby. But, of course, it wouldn't be a Hallmark movie if something didn't happen. She gets a call from her sister, and Barbara needs to leave. She can no longer take care of this baby. So it is up to the boys to take care of this baby until Christmas. That's when they've decided they're going to make a decision. So Taylor, the video game designer, gets the first crack at keeping the baby entertained. He's doing magic tricks, drum tricks, video games, but nothing is working. He then spills the baby formula all over the floor, has to go to the grocery store, and more craziness ensues while he's there. Switch to Stefan. Stefan tries his hand at watching the baby and decides he's going to make cookies with an infant which is never a good idea (laughs) with any child anyways. Seriously. Uh, And you can only imagine how terrible that goes. In the midst of this, Taylor and Stefan come together. They try to team up to give the baby a bath in the sink, but they end up just arguing the whole time. And then they briefly are mentioning that they don't know how their mother did it without their father. So we're starting to Mm -hmm. see clues of this absent father. The baby finally falls asleep while the brothers are trying to assemble the crib. 
Now Luke comes waltzing in loud and he ends up waking up the baby. He cannot believe how overwhelmed his brothers are just from looking after a little baby. But Luke is more competent with the baby. He can handle diapers, feeding, bedtime. And Taylor and Stefan are a little bit annoyed, but also thankful that someone knows what's going on. That is until Luke unknowingly swaps the baby at the store. (laughs) Completely different baby. It's not till later they realize that this is not the right baby. And of course, there's a quick swaparoo and the right baby Thomas is back. The brothers join forces and they end up going to the mall. And here is where this iconic scene happens where the brothers decide to take a photo with Santa. Um, And the kicker is, is that they actually dress up in elf costumes. So there's little baby Thomas and these three grown men in elf costumes. I actually love this scene because um, my family takes Santa Claus pictures every (laughs) year. So this warmed my heart. Okay. And at this part, we're introduced to, um, like Nini said, the family's neighbor, Mark, who was a bully. And he's clearly has unhealthy, an unhealthy need to like be the best at Christmas lights of all things. Um, and he bullies the brothers to to decorate their house better because he's claiming that their their decorations are lame. So he tells them that the winner, though, of this town decorating contest is actually going to win a cruise. And now the brothers think, oh, what an amazing gift that we could give our mom it, to show her, you know, all the amazing things that she's done for us than to give her this cruise. So cue the Hallmark decorating scene. So Susie Stevens' client brings over a casserole and stays over to help decorate. We actually um, have Taylor's coworker, Fiona, who we know has had a previous relationship with Taylor and it hasn't worked out in the past, but she comes over and it's this really wonderful scene. They're all decorating together and then they do the nutcracker dance. And if you've (laughs) never seen this nutcracker dance, (laughs) you need to go and YouTube this nutcracker dance. They do this. It's a must. Yeah. It's, it's pretty hilarious. Fun fact. They actually performed the dance at Christmas cons. Like, no. impromptu like a surprise it's total fan service and they had to practice that thing like intensely so okay love well, I would love to see that <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> on my to-do list okay so then there is this moment of tension between the brothers um where Luke tells his brothers you know he's always the one that goes above and beyond for the family he's clearly taking on the role of the father he shouts at Taylor who shuts down in confrontation this creates a rift between the brothers the next scene we have Stefan calling to say that Thomas has actually been taken to the hospital because his he has a rash that is spreading all over his body. It turns out to just be teething, but each of the brothers come to admit how much this situation really scared them, which really shows this baby has allowed them to grow attached. And after the ER, the brothers have this beautiful moment where they're sitting in the car. Mm-hmm. Luke apologizes for lashing out and admits his resentment. Taylor and Stefan admit to the fact that he's right and acknowledging their own parts and the drifts that the brotherhood, the brotherhood has fell victim to. And then the way that the, the, these guys cry over their mom in the scene, they acknowledge how fortunate they truly are. This is just a really sweet moment between brothers that we don't always get to see between men in general. Now fast so forward to the part that we've all been waiting for. It's finally time for the Channel 7 News Christmas Spirit Decoration Contest and neighbor Mark is gloating. He is so excited to show off his decorations. 
and they're great. Like they're beautiful, but it is now time for the Brenner special. The fire truck shows up at the house to be a spotlight as the brothers emerge from the house as the three wise men. Obviously, Thomas is baby Jesus. Each brother tried to take a turn, but it's actually Stefan, the social, anxious, really timid one, ends up saving the performance by coming out and delivering his monologue. But the whole thing is actually saved by boy's mother stepping out of the crowd (laughs) and singing Silent Night. Now, spoiler Mark wins the contest, but the boys did a really great job. And as that moment with their mother, they they gather around her. All of a sudden, they start to hear Thomas, my baby Thomas, and it's the baby's mother. Sophie, the mother, explains that she was overwhelmed and behind on her bills and needed a few days to figure things out. She was obviously a single mom, and she said that she remembered Luke from the fire station as he helped deliver Thomas, and she knew that Thomas would be safe with Luke. Now we move back to Taylor. He ends up getting his job back and asks Fiona on a date, which is successful. Luke stops by his uh, Thomas's mother's house, Sophie, to give her the baby's first ornament that the brothers made for Thomas. And Luke tells Sophie that he understands the pressure that she feels being a mother and tells her that she is not alone. Now we cut to one year later. <laughs> Luke is having a party at his newly finished home. Everyone is there. Susie, Fiona, Stefan, their mom. Um, everyone including Mark, the neighbor. It's been a redemptive story for everyone. And it's a perfect (laughs) Christmas. Luke has found a family to fill his home. And the brothers finish, of course, with the iconic Nutcracker dance. So that is the breakdown of three and a baby. Y'all, it's a lot harder than you think. (laughs) To Bran at Zek the Hallmark podcast, mad props to you, brother. Like, yeah, these summaries are hard. <laughs> genius skills with these summaries, let me tell you. Okay, so now we're at the segment where we are actually going to rate the show and you decide if you're going to go on and watch it or not. <laughs> so we're rating it on four categories. Number one, we're rating the writing. We're going to rate second category of characters. And then third, because it's so important to me, how funny it was. And then fourth, overall, how much we loved it or didn't love it well I take it away the first time I ever rated the writing I'm pretty sure I gave it like a six is that what I did yep yep but you you after we talked you bumped it up so what is it now (laughs) okay believe it or not it's an (laughs) 8.5 okay I so after I watched this movie I kind of dived into more of like the the why and the development and there Mm. are a lot of deep perspective that they have and reasons why they chose things that they chose which we can get into I know I'm speaking kind of abstractly but it's very intentional like I will say this and I'm just gonna make this a disclaimer and I'll probably end with this you have to look past the corny like you have to look deeper And once you look deeper, there is a lot of meaning hidden hidden in these movies. And I think you just have to choose to get past. Once I was like, okay, get past this, there is a lot of introspection and reflection that can happen. And then 
things that you see in your own life. And I think that the writing was actually very clever and pulled on a lot of things that if you're not paying attention, you would totally miss. So I'm giving it an 8.5. Yeah, I gave the writing a 9.8 because I love the dynamic duo of Paul Campbell and Kimberly Sestad. I, I just love them as human beings. I love how hilarious they are, but for as many characters, which I'll just just go ahead and go into the next one for the characters. I loved the characters. I gave the character development a 7.8, but that's good for me because they had so many characters to develop and they did a fantastic job at doing it and making it funny and fun. And like you seriously were interested and wanted to know what happened. I mean, maybe I have to bump that up. It's got to be higher than a seven. It's not a C, a C plus. Um <laughs> I'm Asian here. C is like an F. Um, yeah, I'm going to bump that up. I'm going to bump that up to an 8.8 because they did a fantastic job. I just think it was a lot to develop in that a Hallmark movie is a very short period of time. So what did you give the characters? I I still, I'm so conservative. I gave them a seven. I love the three main characters. The supporting cast, I think aside from their, the mom, I would have liked to see more development or just maybe there were some continuity things that that to me didn't make sense but that's kind of why I gave it a seven well this is why it makes a difference not to be watching movies through cornfields where it's buffering every five <laughs> minutes because last time you gave characters a five yeah I know <laughs> and you were like you were shocked at why I was giving them such high scores yeah I love it well, laughs, I gave them a nine because I know Paul Campbell and Kimberly Sustead can be extremely hilarious. And I felt like they they got a lot of humor in. There have been a lot of roles with Hallmark that have been stretched over the last year. So there's a lot more humor now. Um, but I gave it a nine because it wasn't quite a perfect 10. But man, it was like my children were rolling on the floor. <laughs> it was so fun to experience it together through my kids' eyes. They were all laughing at all ages. What about you, Lola? 7.5. 7.5. I thought this was funny. And you have to, again, newbie Hallmark here, going through <laughs> my own life journey through the yeah. Hallmark lens. I'm learning, yeah. like, there's definitely this Hallmark humor, and I'm learning about it. And again, putting aside <laughs> some of the corny and just embracing it. And I did think, like, second time, second time around, I thought it was funny. Yeah, you do, you gave it a five the first time, and I gave <laughs> I it a nine. So and you're like hard on this movie. <laughs> it's in in the world of Hallmark movies, it's a nine out of ten, and that's what leads me to overall a nine point eight. So close to the perfect ten with the cast and the writers. Like this was a hundred percent fan service. If you've been following Hallmark for a while, this was a much anticipated, and it knocked it out of the ballpark for those people. In terms of like hitting what they were expecting, it was a fantastic movie. Lala, what did you give it overall? I gave it an eight. It's pretty wow, that's that's a two point eight. bump up. I know, I know. I again, I think for me, like reading some of the methodology behind like why they chose to do certain things, mm -hmm. you start to realize like, oh, it's not just a thrown together movie. Like there's intention behind this and. Once you see that, I think my once I saw that, the, my perspective changed. I love it. I love it so much. Okay. So this is the main part of our podcast where we have a very unique breakdown <laughs> of the scripts. 
Um, there's four segments here. So since this is a podcast about Hallmark movies and Asian dramas, and you guys be patient with us, it might take us some time to get to the Asian dramas because we're hitting a Hallmark time of the year. Um, but the four segments are number one, what's love got to do with it? You can give me a riff here. What's love got to do? <laughs> Sorry, I was slow. Oh, I was slow on the take there. <laughs> um, this is the part where we talk about the glimmers. If you listen to our intro episode, if you haven't, please go back and enjoy. Um, but this is what we loved about the movie or things that just brought us all the feels. And we'll review the romantic relationships as well as the family relationships. The second segment is, yeah, omo, omo, don't go chasing waterfalls. If you know any Chinese, doesn't matter if they speak Mandarin, Cantonese, Taiwanese, or any other dialect, we say, yeah <laughs> a lot when something's like, ugh. Or Koreans will say, omo, omo, when there's something like shocking happening or even if it's super shocking, it's still this like reserved omo, omo. <laughs> With, with the hand, you have to picture my hands in front of my mouth when I say that. But don't go chasing waterfalls is all about like, what are the unhealthy behaviors? What are the unhealthy coping mechanisms that we observe in this segment? The third segment is aigu, which is Korean for ugh. Oi with the poodles already. Famous quote by Lorelai Gilmore of Gilmore Girls, where we find plot holes, continuity issues, and as the Deck the Hallmark podcast would put it, wait, what? And things we didn't like. And then our last, but my favorite segment, because this was really eye-opening the first time we did it. We totally <laughs> did not go how I expected, but I love it. It's what okay. makes our podcast so unique. Jayo, or in Korean, they say fighting. That's like what Chinese say jayo to like encourage one another. The literal translation is like add more fuel, like so you can keep going. Um, and Koreans will say fighting. Um, and you have to do like this little hand motion. Like, you know how when kids are like going by, like semi trucks are going by on a road trip and you're trying to get them to like honk their horn. That's how I envision. <laughs> that's what that's the only way I can describe what it's like without you guys seeing me. Um, but it's for the happily ever after. Like, who are we rooting for? What do we think happens after this movie? My low-key way of pitching other Asian American drama script ideas. So those are our four segments. I'm so excited to jump into it. Lala, what's love got to do with it? What were the glimmers for you? Okay. So right out of the gate, I think it's very unique to have a story that highlights the relationship's of three brothers opposed yes there were still love interest but that was such a side plot and it was really the okay we'll just use the word trauma like I don't want to use that lightly but it was really the trauma that these brothers individually faced um and how distant they were and then them coming together and the vulnerability between men it's kind of a a storyline you don't see a lot of mm-hmm. and I appreciated it I really liked I really liked that yes I 100% agree Hallmark if you're listening we want more of this like I love that that wasn't the focal point and not only was the romantic relationships not the focal point the fact that they um, were focusing on the dynamics of the relationship with the brothers but then they were really and I heard 
I think it was Paul Campbell that I heard in an interview, like they really did this intentionally. What they were wanting to highlight was the single mothers and mm-hmm. they did that really purposefully. Um, so they wanted to honor and they wanted to bring to light, like how hard it really is. And I also have to say that I have a very strong dislike because hate is a strong word. And I tell my kids not to use it too frequently. Um, but I strongly, strongly dislike the Hallmark tropes where it's like mm. the main character is either engaged or already in a relationship and has been for like many years and then meets a stranger and falls in love in two days. I and know. Then there's like low-key and overlapping relationship and then they're like engaged two days later and I'm like, I despise. And so... I have to give you that context to tell you how much more so it gives meaning to how much more I love this storyline and I love the writing and what they highlighted. And I thought it was brilliant how they contrasted the three different romantic relationships and really highlighted by how they related in those romantic relationships, how each one dealt with past traumas. Yes. I love that they use it to highlight that. Um, and so I also loved the come to Jesus meeting in the van between the three brothers. I, that is my next point, actually. <laughs> I okay. literally had tears. This was a great moment, but I never, again, looked at it through a different lens. And I was reading about it and they were saying how it actually, it was, it was such a metaphorical scene. So what happens is the fight starts in a very big, wide open space in the house. And metaphorically, it it, it was representing distance between the brothers. And then the fact that the, that the relationship can come together in the small, quiet space of a car, it was a metaphor for emotions that have been compartmentalized and like being come together. I know. And, and I think you feel this in a real level because if you've ever been through that distance with somebody mm. and come together and you come back into unity, whether it's family or relationships or friendships and like that burden that lifts off of you when yeah. you have that moment of ro- like being vulnerable and real and, and addressing those emotions, like you totally. feel that freedom. And when I was yeah. about this, I was like, man, it's, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, what we, what do we always talk about? Like processing our life through this movie. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, it is so true. Um, yeah. So to me, that was that was like a big, like something that I loved. I think one thing, like within the family relationships, I mean, you see right off the bat is the cl- clearly the brothers have not dealt with their dad leaving. That is a, a, not even an underlying current. It's like an overarching theme of just totally. like dealt with trauma. Um, and then I, I will say, I just have to throw it out there. Uh, they have a wonderful selfless mother. Why are they only now giving her the Christmas <laughs> that she deserves? Like what kind of relationship do they have with their, with their, this selfless mother? So I, I did think yeah. that was a little bit interesting. Well, I felt like that was what I love because it was so relatable. Mm. Um, I think for many families, especially when they're like, well, we don't talk about it in this family because we don't talk about anything. Um, but then they come to this point of like, we forget how much we need each other. Like, come on guys. These are the things that bring me all the joy, all the feels like in such unexpected ways that it isn't like fully triggering, you know? So that leads us to the next segment of a, yeah, don't go chasing waterfalls. You guys deal with your unresolved trauma and grief. Don't be like Luke. 
who hit this is my viewpoint of his unhealthy coping me- mechanism would be people pleasing. Do you agree with this? Totally. Totally <laughs> people pleasing. Um I I also wrote down um that Luke is that type of person or personality where they don't know how to balance the needs of others and, the, and their own. And so then they end up cre- having a lot of resentment in how yeah. people. Totally. Um, which I may or may not identify with myself. <laughs> We're both like, mm. <laughs> biting our nails here. We may or may, may not be recovering people pleasers. A hundred percent. Well, let's cover the other ones and we'll go to like the punchline. Since we've already recorded this, you guys should have heard our reactions the first time with the punchline <laughs> in this segment. But um, Stefan, his his coping mechanism is more obvious of like he just hid. He just stopped interacting with people, which, you know, I can relate. There was a season of time where I was afraid of people and he's hiding and he finds however I differ because I do not find solace in animals. But Stefan definitely did. <laughs> And then I I, ha- I love my dogs. Don't get me wrong. I just don't have that level of bond. Um, and then Taylor, who's like the biggest jerk, yeah. totally shut down. Mm-hmm. The way that his friends describe him, um, there was when he lost his job and he was um talking with a friend who worked at a company, a competitive company. He was trying to get a job. His friend literally says about him, "You're like." tossing a brick in a washing machine you throw things off balance you know you're a wrecking ball you know how you are and like clearly taylor doesn't know this about himself like he doesn't have this awareness but this is where i would like to bring up that in this segment there might be times where we pull out what we what i call our nardars (laughs) thanks to a dear friend of mine shout out she knows who she is she coined the term instead of a gaydar it's a nardar where you test to see if you can figure out who is the narcissist in this film. And you guys, a typical Taylor jerk, where he even says about himself, like, Fiona thinks I'm a loudmouth, self-centered, with no regard for anybody but myself. And she tells him, like, thanks for blowing that up. You always do find a way. Like, that's what you think a typical, like, overt narcissist would be. But you guys, beware. There are covert narcissists. Who do you think the covert narcissist is in this show? Uh, Luke. Duh. Yay. It's the Points. same. I mean, he just, he really does have this, a little bit of a savior complex. And you see it continue to play out even with Thomas's mother. Yeah. Um, but I do, you're right. Like, he's not the obvious choice. No, he so isn't. He's going to come off as charming. He's always serving or helping other people. But that's the whole point. But then he'll make people feel like, like they're less than because he could yeah. do it better than them. Like when Stefan tried to make cookies but couldn't, but Luke could do it. But then he lost the freaking baby, people. <laughs> <laughs> so watch out. Get your Nardars out. Watch out for those covert narcissists. What else do you have for that? Yeah, the one thing that I think to me it, it, I I noted is that I wasn't a fan of Susie's character. I know it, mm. it's it is it's a little tr- hallmark tropey to me to have a woman that is just so in love like she's paying all this money to see a dog therapist 
but really I don't think her dog needs therapy. She just wants clearly is into Stefan and she's very eager. It's just that eager woman sort of character we see over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I don't think he, I think he should have someone. I think Stefan should be with someone. You know, I love, I love romance. I love love, but I think maybe it could have been a friend that has always understood him. I mean, that's kind of predictable as well. I think I just don't love the trope of this eager woman, you know, mm. for therapy just to be by this man. Yeah. I hear you. It's a little borderline. Like you're pushing my boundaries lady. Yes. I goo with the poodles already. This is the plot holes, continuity issues, the wait, what's, I mean, do we start with the biggest one? Cause it's just like super creepy. Yeah. Guys, how did Sophie who dropped her baby off at a fire station, find the firefighters house? I, that is next level creepy. Well, I don't think they meant to do that. No. Also, okay, for me, it was that. That was number one. Number two is how did Luke not recognize her if he delivered her baby? Like, is he delivering hundreds of babies a year? Like, was she, did she this, look different? Like, Maybe her face was deli- smashed. We don't know. We don't know. That's true. But that's I just true. feel like that's a, that's like, a life experience you know totally. um, delivering someone's baby when you're a parent like you're not a doctor you're not an OBGYN so it's not your you know everyday routine um so I think I was like so for me uh, where did she you know she just like appeared out of nowhere yes she didn't drop the baby off at the house it was the fire station totally so she didn't know where he lived then also he didn't remember her and then Third was I just felt like they rushed that last bit. So like, you know, yeah. mother comes back, Luke meets Sophie and tells her, you know, he knows what she's going through. The brothers kind of have these like moments with their significant other. And then it's one year later. It felt yeah. a little too rushed to me. Everything up until that point was great. Yeah. That just, that to me kind of was like, uh, were you yeah were you over your timeline and you just needed totally to- yeah, yeah yeah that they needed to but I do appreciate and I forgot to say this part and what's love got to do with it I love that they did it that they it was a year later and it wasn't like three days later agreed I really appreciated that it was like okay this is what it looks like over time because yeah Homer it takes time to develop relationships yeah. and they don't always show that but I have to say, I have one more. Um, when when Taylor picked up Depends, like adult diapers instead of the baby diapers, because like Stefan pulls out like, are these adult diapers? Okay, you guys, I don't know what store he's shopping at. But most stores you go to do not have adult diapers next to the baby diapers. It just doesn't happen. They're in different so sections great. of the store. You yeah. have to make extra effort to go to where there's like tampons and pads, right? feminine wow. products next to the adult incontinence. That's like in the pharmacy department. You don't have baby diapers in the pharmacy department. I'm just saying. 
Okay. I don't know. Maybe stores in Canada are different. No, I totally agree. That leads me to mine is this is supposed to be December, right? Uh, the well, yes. is in Stefan's carrier outside, not wearing socks in the middle of winter. <laughs> I mean, I know they're filming in July, so the baby is totally fine. We're not bringing that into question, but like at yeah. least pretend, at least pretend. Now it maybe was a hot day and they, the baby was fussy, but like, hide the feet like yeah pretend for my sake that it's freezing out there and that it's this so funny suffering. it's just Lala's like not an Asian that... I feel like... <laughs> what <laughs> Lala's not Asian but I feel like that's such an Asian thing to say <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was that was that's how Asian parents say I love you they don't say I love you they say Stress you warm. need a jacket or did you <laughs> eat <sighs> that's funny I <laughs> honestly like other than that, other than those few things, I pretty much like felt like the continuity continuity was was good. Totally. They were just comical errors. It wasn't like it didn't. I had to really think and search on this one because mm-hmm. they weren't the obvious ones that you have in other movies. So I love it. Okay. <laughs> My favorite segment. Dio, who are we fighting to have our happily ever afters? What do we think happens after this movie? Um. So I would love for Luke and Sophie. It looks like they dated, right? Mm-hmm. But I would love for them to realize like, hey, we need to work on our own stuff and find, um, get healthier and find a healthier relationship. Because I feel like when you, sometimes when you meet out of crisis, like you feel closer than you actually are. And there's just, there's blind spots when you, when you meet out of crisis. Like, yeah, you can get closer too. It can be bonding, but it's important that it's not like a trauma bond. Yes. Um, and I low-key feel the same for Taylor and Fiona. Like how cute he, um, you know, is promising to change. But we all know actions speak louder than words. It takes time. And it takes time to see that the actions actually do change. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love for them to date. But I think maybe they might be healthier with other people. And even though you didn't like the Susie character as much, I'm like, well, maybe out of all of them, Stefan and Susie did stay together. I don't know. I literally have the exact same notes. I'm like, Stefan and Susie can stay together because she really knows him. And I think that his, him coming out on the other side is actually just being accepting to be like, I think he probably knows who he, who he is. He just has it. Yeah connecting with people yeah they can yeah. stay together everyone else needs to break up <laughs> Sophie needs clearly needs to work on you know herself and she probably either her husband died or he left her like she's got issues Luke has to work on his you know pseudo narcissistic personality slash savior complex and Taylor is this tortured soul who I think has a lot of potential like he was probably my favorite character Totally. Yeah, him changing for somebody is not going to work because he's going to end up resenting her. She's going to resent him. I don't think they're made for each other. I think that the happily ever after is everybody breaks up except for Stefan and Susie (laughs) and they get healthy and they find the people that they're meant to be with. That's that's not usually my happy ever after. I know. I I think that's. I'm always like, it'll work out you'll figure it out but I'm like no 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 no. I've seen this this storyline play out in real life too many times that's so funny I was so shocked that that was 
that was your conclusion and that it was so similar our happily ever after is that everybody breaks up Break up <laughs> because that is happily ever after uh, fantastic i don't think all right gonna call us to write any cards like <laughs> love cards any anytime soon valentine's day cards <laughs> i know right well i don't know though you guys i feel like we need more healthy relationships like portrayed of like what does healthy look like and feel like out there maybe we see a fast forward montage of everyone going to therapy (laughs) and then I would be like okay you guys can be together yeah that is so relatable I love it so much okay so here we come to our final thoughts sometimes we'll end with our favorite quote and you guys in these Hallmark movies I'm really surprised at sometimes they have like really profound quotes (laughs) So there's this part in the movie, I couldn't quite figure out, but it's where this little boy comes and it's clear that his dad probably worked with Luke and he probably passed, but I wasn't really sure. It felt it felt like they cut a scene out. But anyway, Luke pulls his little boy aside um, and is telling him, I felt like this quote was really profound. You know, sometimes the hard things in life, they open doors to something beautiful. And maybe that's the silver lining to pain. On the other side of it is immense joy, and you can't have one without the other. Mic shop. It really reminded me a lot of Corey Ten Boom's quote. Mm. If you don't know who she was, she was a Holocaust survivor who said, Joy runs deeper than despair. So good. Right? And then in typical Nini fashion, people joke at me about, like, they just, people joke at me. People about the types of memes I send are like, what's on my feed? It'll be like a really profound quote. And then next it's like Winnie the Pooh dancing. My other favorite quote is bottled burped and bathed, boys. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> a good writing right there. Paul Campbell and Kimberly Sestad. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you all for breaking down the script with us. Don't forget to follow us so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next week. Ciao, y'all.